Welcome to episode 80 of the Wizards of Drivel podcast. I'm afraid neither Chris nor Ben are here today. They are currently uh, updating their CVs as they prepare for their interviews tomorrow at Clayton Wood. But instead, I'm joined by Tom Thrower. Tom, how's it going? Good. You uh, you never seem to have me on under nice circumstances like a win. Yeah, well, those episodes are very few and far between. They're really tough to get on to. Yeah. they're like kind of special edition episodes we might kind of have to release them together as a multi-pack or something like remember when we won this match yeah uh, yeah so yeah. uh stoke played at the weekend you know what happened we know what happened we know how bad it was let's just uh switch up the format of the show a bit we'll just dive into some of your questions rather than reflect on that absolute shower um Marcus, with our first question. Hi, Marcus. He says, thoughts on fans turning on managers slash players verbally, as heard yesterday. Does it help or hinder? Is it justified or never justified? Obviously referring to Hughes out chance at the ground, but the um, chance directed towards the team at Stoke Station. A few videos going around of that. Tom, what did you make of them? It's not good, is it? It, 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 it... I don't think I personally would ever be able to... I could probably shout abuse at players in a stand because there's that sort of disconnect. But I feel when you see them in real life, you do get that sense that they're a human being. Mm. And I think that must be hard, especially for someone like Tom Edwards, who your heart just must, as a lad from the area, to get that after your second start. Oh, God, that must be horrible. Um, but also, I'm a bit of the opinion that if we needed something to scream to the board, look, this is this is how bad things are, this is how worried we are, then almost, not condoning it, almost if it's the straw that breaks the camel's back, then so be it really for that. Because I think something needed to be done more than just fans being like, oh, this is crap, we've lost again, and just go into that cycle. So, no, I'm not very happy that it's happened but it has happened, and maybe that could be a good thing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean there. It, it does feel like the the Nadir, um, and it, yeah, it does feel like something like that perhaps needed to happen just to kind of wake people up to how bad we've been. I've noticed that um, I think the the apart from the local media, none of the media really picked up on these videos or anything, unless I've missed it. But it seems odd that. Uh, something like that happens at a Premier League club, and certainly I've seen nothing on the BBC when I've been hearing about Stoke. Seen nothing on Sky, so it's odd that they've kind of slipped under the radar a bit. But yeah, I've, I've you know there there is an argument to say like these are multi-millionaires, whatever, who really didn't put the effort effort in on Saturday, and they should face up to criticism for that. But I also think. Uh, does it help the players? Probably not. Might it help the board in making a decision? Possibly. Uh, so it, it is a it is a really tough one, and certainly wasn't enjoyable in any way at all. Even even if even if it does lead lead to Hughes 
sacking. It's a, it's an absolute travesty. It's come to that really, hasn't it? Um, I move on to Michael. Uh, dare we ask how deep is the rot? Is firing queues enough, or does the club need to look at clearing out their transfer team too? I think probably best to approach that in two parts. The first, the rot question is one that there's definitely some discussion that needs to be had on. Because um, if Hughes doesn't go now, I'm, I'm scared that there is a rot and I'm scared that it goes all the way to board level. And that I, then, obviously, if it's all the way up there, what what can you do? You can't do anything about it that because it's, it's, it's everywhere. And the transfer team, I don't know, I think... They've come under a lot of stick for this summer because this summer was an absolute shit show. It was terrible. It was garbage. But I think a lot of the signings that haven't worked out recently could maybe, there could be some debate about if that's more of a failing to acquire exactly the right type of player, but it's still a good transfer in and of itself, or it's just a good transfer and that player, for whatever reason, has not been integrated into the squad properly the manager's not treated them right and therefore we haven't been able to get the best out of them as a footballer. Mm. I mean, you look at Bojan, Imbula, Munizia, they're all, you can have debates on what you think they are as a player, but they're all players who've shown how good they can be for Stoke, but that hasn't hasn't continued into a form like Shakiri's having this season. So I don't know if we need to scrap the transfer team. We've had a bad summer and maybe that's because of the whole situation at the club and no one really knowing what direction we're going in so yeah. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I don't think I'm calling for people's heads yet in that department yeah it's a awkward one because I think the main problem with the transfer policy in in general has been we haven't signed players in the positions we need to sign people and I presume that ultimately comes from Mark Hughes I, I you know, you don't know what happens behind the scenes. If Mark Hughes has said, go out and find me two wing-backs, and they haven't done that, then obviously that's a failing on their part. But if Mark Hughes has said, right, I need to sign three centre-halves this summer, and uh, maybe a striker, and they've gone out and found the players he wants and signed them, then, you know, it, it's it, it's a it's a really just crap situation. Is, is the um, transfer team... Like Mark Hughes' own transfer team, if you know what I mean. Are some of the people there, like uh, his guys, if you know what I mean, or or is it a is it a club thing? As far as I'm aware, I think it it, it pre-exists him, doesn't it? Because mm. Cartwright came in in Pulis's last season, but you never know. That could have been there could have been further rumblings going on behind Pulis's back potentially. That 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 this was a man that Hughes maybe wanted to work with. I have no idea. Um, Kevin Cruikshank, who's the head scout, uh, is definitely there before Hughes and isn't his crony. So it's a it's a balance, and it's uh, it, but also it depends on, like you said, who who has the power in that transfer team. If it genuinely works as a unit, and sort of Hughes goes to them and says, "I want X player to fit X role," um, and they give him some options, and then he picks, then that's understandable. And I think that's probably how it does work because there's. I think when there is meddling, managers, especially under fire managers like Hughes, will always be quite willing to say, well, you know, maybe I haven't got the players I wanted. I mean, Rafa Benitez is the um, the, the clear example. He does that every other weekend. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think they probably aren't Hughes cronies. 
Mm. Um, they're, they're club people. Yeah, and I certainly think. Uh, well, it's a, it's a Sunday evening. It's half seven on a Sunday when we're recording this, and you know I'm, I keep kind of checking Twitter, maybe because my my worry is that this podcast will go out at about nine or ten o'clock. And then 10.05pm, Stoke City, a party company with manager Mark Hughes, and then have to record it again or something you know, like that happens because it would be just my luck. But do you actually think uh, that what, what kind of percentage chance would you put on a statement from the club tomorrow saying Mark Hughes is gone? Um, I've always been hopeful that he's gone. I think you know that I banged on all summer. Well, for pretty much April and May, I was just insistent that come the end of the season, there was no way that man was still in charge of our club. So I'll just, with that in mind, I'd say 75% chance that there's something between now and tomorrow, 12 o'clock, that, that he has gone. Um, I don't know. I, I, and yeah, I, I just think. Mm. I, don't, I can't see a way he stays. I don't know if I'm just a, a bit more of a pessimist than you, but <laughs> uh, I, I'd put it a lot, lot less a high chance, to be honest. I'd put it about <laughs> 10 or 20%. Uh, if, if I'm honest, I think they'll kind of look at the game at Burnley and think, oh, well, we can't really get anyone in time for that. Let's see if we can do something at Burnley. Let's see if we can pick up a result against West Ham, which would help us in the relegation battle. And then it, he'll do the Mark Hughes thing of picking up the scrappy win and then we'll be, you know, back into the cycle again. Um, I don't think they're oblivious to how the fans feel at the moment, but I also don't think they are prepared enough at this stage. I don't, I don't think they'll have someone lined up in their mind anyway, because I just don't think they saw it as as, as seriously as we did. Um, I, I might just be being naive there. I might have uh, misjudged the mood of the board, but... I just I can't see it happening. If it doesn't happen before January, it won't happen until the end of the season, unless we're bottom of the league with ten games to go or something. So it's oh, I just I just don't know really. It, it's it's an absolute awful kind of stick or twist situation for the board. I. Th- Convince, yeah, convince me some more. Convince me some more that tomorrow he, he goes. I just think uh, I can't help but keep putting myself in those shoes and thinking, right, irrelevant of how conservative small C you are as a person, and you probably will be when when you're in charge of a football club, and that's how Coates has got us this far. He's got us this far by being cautious and waiting out and giving people time. But Hughes has had that time. Hughes has had two years of bad football and in that entire spell the closest we've come to turning a corner was when we sacked off attacking entirely moved a defensive midfielder to number 10 and clung on praying to god that the opposition would keep missing the goal and that we'd be able to steal one that's the closest we've come in that time to looking like we can be back to it and i don't know how anyone who understands football remotely can see anything different to that uh, there's never been any hint of turning the corner. I don't think we've won back-to-back games since January. Mm. Uh, and well, I just yeah. Some people have been defending Mark Hughes. I don't know who the panel were on Five Live this morning. It might have been that program, that match of the day, two extra program with Chappers, 
and I can't yeah. remember who we had on the the panel, but they they trotted out. Um, they feel sympathy for Mark Hughes. Um, someone of his managerial caliber should not be coming under that much pressure, and he wasn't really backed by his chairman in the summer. That's, that's just pathetic, though, isn't it? Because uh, Peter Coates, not single-handedly, but played a major role in saving Mark Hughes' managerial career. After he, after the QPR job, he was on the untouchables list. No one was really thinking about even when Pulis left. Hughes was nowhere in those discussions until the day before he was actually announced as our manager. That was the only time the media went, oh yeah, maybe Mark Hughes will get that job. Mm. And to say he hasn't been backed, it's one of those things that really gets on my nerves because he has been backed. There's no other way of putting it. You want People want to mess around with transfer fee things, but that can often miss the bigger picture of what costs the club, and that's wages. And Darren Fletcher will be on huge wages-ish because he's come from a reputable club in Manchester United to West Brom. His wages aren't dropping that much. Hesse will be on huge wages. Wimmers probably on very good wages as well as a massive transfer fee. Same with Bruno. Same with Chupo Moting because he's come on a free and that tends to push the personal fees up. Hughes has totally had the funds and and the support. And I don't think there's any more chairman who could be more supportive of a manager than Peter Coates has been of Mark Hughes. For the media to suggest that is ridiculous. And it just reeks of this agenda to me that seems to be in most mainstream media that British managers are given an unfair chance and it's not fair and all the foreigners are coming here and ruining everything for us. And, mm. uh, and Hughes is one of these group of the, the Allardyces, the Pulises, the Moyes, who are stopping young English managers getting a chance, who are clogging up the market because we've got this bonkers league where staying in it is just the thing that you can only ever aspire to. And the media play a role in that. And so it's ridiculous, I think, those things. It's nuts to say. Mm. Well, speaking of foreigners ruining, ruining everything, uh, Mark, question from Mark. Did Arnautovic have a point with his comments when he left Stoke? <laughs> yeah, my notes under this just say yes, next. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right, question from Jamie. Is there an element of risk <laughs> in giving Mark Hughes to massive home games in West Ham and West Brom despite what happens on Burnley on Tuesday night. Basically, is is the risk that, you know, if we keep use, we lose those games and, oh my God, we are deep in the crap. Yeah, and, and I think that, I suppose that's another thing that comes into the decision-making process, like a, like a risk analysis. You go, well, with Hughes, we lose those two games and we're in the crap because then we're having to get a new manager and it's all going to crap. With a new manager, you can go, oh, well, the new manager hasn't had enough time. Crap, we've still lost these two games. That's not good at all. But those are something that we can then move on from. Whereas Hughes, it will just be an end. So that's another thing to go back to the original discussion. The risk of getting rid of Hughes is probably now outweighed by the risk of keeping him. So, yeah, I'd probably agree with what Jamie said. Mm. Um, Question from Rocky. It is now looking like a, a massive cash cash injection and new management is the only chance of staying up. Do you think Coates & Co. want Premier League status at that cost? Basically, do you think Coates is willing to plough loads of money into the club, into giving a new manager like as much resources as possible 
in January to stay in the Premier League. I mean, I, I, it strikes me that he probably would if he thought it would it it come to that. Um, but do do you agree with his premise that a massive cash injection is needed? Because I think uh, we'll come on to what managers are available later. But I think surely this squad is good enough to stay up if if we had the right manager in. I might be being naive here, but I don't think it requires a raft of new players in January. It requires just a change in in tactics and you know playing style and formation and what and you know the the guy responsible for that is the manager. So, what do you, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I think I'm totally on board with that. Um, no offense to the clubs around us, but you look at them and. If you showed a neutral fan our squad versus another team's, a, a Brighton squad, um, Huddersfield squad, a Swansea squad, even someone like Palace's squad. Newcastle's think, is dire as well. Yeah, Newcastle's as well. Newcastle's is a championship squad at the end of the mm. day. Um, you look at them and, and people will always go, oh, yeah, well, Stokes' team is best. Let's not forget we have a player who, depending on your definition of world-class, if you have quite a broad definition of world-class, Jordan Shakiri could fit into it. So... If a manager can come in and he's still at the football club, well, there you go. Um, so yeah, I don't think it needs a massive cash injection. If it does need any cash injection, it needs it in specific areas. It isn't just a, right, here's 50 million, go and sign five players and we'll throw them together and do something with that. It'll be, right, let's spend, let's really find an important centre midfielder and spend whatever money it takes to bring them in. Let's find a fullback or two and spend whatever money it takes to bring them in. And I do think that Coates does put Premier League survival almost above everything because he is acutely aware of what it would do to the area. And I think he does care about the area as well as he cares about the football club and cares mm. about his own investments. Um, leaving the league would be disastrous. It would be huge. Yeah, um, and, and I think that's a, possibly one of the few reasons he's kept Hughes this far in a job is because he sees... Uh, he. He sees or saw the the risk of appointing someone else as you know potentially putting that Premier League status in jeopardy. He he does he does want uh, Premier League survival at at all cost, and he would part with a lot of cash to do that. But I don't think uh, certainly at this stage that parting with a lot of cash is is what's needed um, at the moment. I want to ask you about Kevin Vimmer now. Uh, you know, speaking of hated Austrians, um, is it is it just kind of naive use of social media, or is that just stinking of a bad attitude to you? I I don't I don't know. He, as much as you can label certain players and people do it with agendas etc., um, as not caring enough. I don't think I've ever seen anyone give less of a crap. Um, about getting tonked and and almost from a screw what he thinks about Stoke City Football Club he's only been here for a few months so I'd, I'd be surprised if he had a large emotional connection but personal pride to be able to go out there as a centre half who is equal record signing of a football club and get tonked 5-1 and admit that after the second goal went in well you and a lot of other people gave up and then to have the audacity to make your social media presence so clear, because it was Twitter as well as Instagram, um, to make it so clear that you 
were there and you were happy because you were with your old pals um, and you were seeing them for the first time since you left. It was just... People talk about modern football and most of it's just meaningless noise in the background, but that was unacceptable. Uh, and I'd, uh, Well, he's lost everyone, really. I don't know any fan who'd stick up for Kevin Wimmer right now. I don't think there's anyone who would. There's more people who'd stick up for Mark Hughes. Yeah, um, and... You know, being you know that naive and well, not even naive, that thick, you can take if he played you know well, you know at all this season. Uh, you know, you can count his good games on uh, a couple of fingers, I, I think. And j- just to turn in that performance and kind of just be so oblivious to how you are currently being perceived. Like, was he not there at the train station when he you know, when the Stoke fans were telling him where to go? And the, the tweet, the tweet was, not the result we wanted, have to keep working hard. Working hard, you admitted that you gave up after two goals. Have to keep working hard. Like, keep working hard implies you're working hard to begin with. Have to start working hard, Kevin. Have to start working hard. Thank you for the nice reception today. This is directed to Spurs fans. It was a great feeling seeing everyone again. Well, you seeing everyone again. That implies he kind of got close to Kane or Ali or Eriksen or Son. He was chasing <laughs> chasing after them all the time. But Kane and Ali must have been bloody sick of the sight of oh god, Kevin's <laughs> Kevin's trying to get my autograph again. Jesus Christ. All the best for the rest of the season, Spurs official, and see you soon. See, see you soon. He can't that? wait. He can't wait for them to come and stick four or five pastors again. Like no, nothing like apology, apologize to the fans. Nothing like our report performance were unacceptable. Nothing like uh, I am now leaving for Port Vale because I want to find my level as a footballer. <laughs> it's just, just. You know, I couldn't give two craps if he played for us again because for all the money he costs, give me Bruno and Zuma and Shawcross over him any day of the week. At least Shawcross looked embarrassed to have scored. Not not the own goal, the actual goal he scored. He looked kind of embarrassed to have, to have scored yeah. that. And uh, by all accounts, he fronted up uh, when the uh, chance had been directed at Stoke Station as well. So, yeah, it, come, it comes down to what you said. Professional bloody pride. We, Oh god. And you compare that to Tom Tom Edwards who must have been absolutely devastated yesterday. Uh and why on earth is he the one out of the squad? I know you want to speak to the new player, but the circumstances that have surrounded his professional first team career with Stoke so far oh my god, they blow my head. And then they wheel the little lad out in front of the camera and you can see that this kid is just Look, fucking, yeah, Jesus, man. Where's Darren Fletcher? Where's a senior player coming out and being like, that was a load of garbage, we totally messed up. And yeah, okay, Shawcross came out and pretty much said that. And But why on earth is Tom Edwards in front of a camera? Bloody hell, look after the lad. Do you want to ruin his confidence already? Well, well, he, he may have done that by picking him for Man City and Tottenham away. That that is, just, I just and at wing back as well, which I, from my limited experience of watching the youth team is a position he didn't play, and oh yeah, my Matt heart absolutely goes out to him. Uh, that yeah, there's some other players who uh, definitely need to be 
facing a lot more scrutiny than Tom Edwards, that's for damn sure. Fletcher, what the hell has happened there? He looked well, it, so good it, it, in those first few games. He just, he's just, what he's offering nothing on the pitch now. He's, he's zero defensive uh, capabilities yeah. anymore. He's doing nothing to shield that back, back, back three. Um, Allen's running around a lot, but not doing anything. Uh, Chupo was completely anonymous yesterday. Uh, Shakiri had a poor game. Uh, I don't it think happens. That, it happens. Um, but you know, considering he's carried us all season, you know, I, I can take that. Uh, it, I just yeah. think with Fletcher frustrates me so much because I was looking at it and I keep doing it and it keeps making me sad. But um, he ma- he's made the same amount of tackles in his first fifteen games as Gianelli and Bueller, and and you wow. think about you think about the crap in Bueller got, um, and as well missed. Well over double the tackles in Bueller did, so he's letting a lot more people glide past him. You think about the crap in Bueller got, deserved or undeserved. I don't really care what your opinion is of that. You think of the crap he got and the stick he got for lacking defensive effort. Darren Fletcher, the experienced commanding centre midfielder who was brought in to solidify the team. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. No. It's just nuts. And. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy how much we've thrown at trying to tighten up the defence and and the midfield in front of it. And we're so just bad. Uh, I think someone someone tweeted, if we kept up this rate of conceding goals throughout the whole season, we'd only finish six goals fewer than Derby conceded in their season, which was a record. You know, that that's how bad we are. But I still look at Vimmer aside, the signings we've made... On paper, we're good. Zuma was an exciting signing. Martin's into we we all really wanted him to to come back. You know, Butland's been here most of the season, and it's 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 down to the system. It's down to not clearly doing anything properly on the, on the training pitch defensively. It's not having a plan in defence. Uh, and yeah, we've we've been over this time and time again on the podcast. Um, the next question is from Matt, and uh, this leads me on to uh, a new segment called Holy Shit, Is That a Serious Take of the Week? Um, <laughs> which um, the question is, who can save us? And it's the question that it's uh, plagued us for the past few months of, uh, you know, who who do you get in? Um, but the Oatcake has come up with some absolute corkers today. Um, uh, someone suggested giving the role of manager to Darren Fletcher. Uh, but but the, that that was quickly like ooh, kind of shot down. Ooh, I'm not sure really. If if I was going to give it to any player, I'd give it to Peter Crouch. Um, but then the absolute nadir came when someone suggested Mike actual Pedic, our mate Mike Pedic for the for the managerial job. How can, how can how can anyone who's like read a Mike Pedic column? assume he has the the qualities to be a Premier League manager unless that's just a really terrific joke that I've I've, I've missed um, lots of See, people Ned, I, I sympathise for the people suggesting these things because it must be hard to decide who you want to pick as a manager because it's not like we have some kind of certification system that you win like badges or something um, maybe maybe the official governing body football governing body of the country or the continent or might give them out. It would be really nice if there was those and they could tell you, you know, who's qualified as a manager and stuff. 
Oh, okay. So like some kind of like you know when you got your swimming badges and you might yeah. sew them onto your towel. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right, Matt. Who can save us? Uh, Tom, do you think Ronald Koeman can save us? Probably, but uh, um, I don't find him very exciting. He's the Dutch Mark Hughes. Right. Okay. Uh, I want you to give me uh, three names now. I want you to give me a worst case, holy crap, no, no, God, no name. Someone you definitely don't want. Someone who you would keep Hughes over, if possible. Uh, someone you think is kind of really realistic, possibly a bit uninspiring, but, you know, will do a job. And someone who's your kind of like your fantasy, you know, wildest dreams figure. So uh, who, is there anyone out there that you would keep Hughes over. Watching Everton today, it reminded me of something. It reminded <laughs> me of our first, well, not our first, um, those those last two years under the capped one. So, yeah, I think I would rather, well, no, I don't even think I'd rather keep Hughes over Pulis. That's how bad it is. <laughs> but no, I really don't want Pulis back. Um, I, I love him and respect him for everything he did, but I don't want him back at the football club. Agreed. For my own mental health. <laughs> right. So, uh, so in the kind of really realistic, but perhaps not that inspiring ball, ballpark, who are you thinking here? Uh, Gary Rower. I was going to say Gary Rower as well. We're, we're reading oh. each other's minds. Yeah. Well, no, no, you do Gary Rower. I'll do Graham Potter. Okay. It's interesting. It's sort of a bit less unrealistic, and but yeah, I, I don't. Th- I don't think he's the kind of manager Coates will go for because, d- as well as he is doing, he's doing it in Sweden, and there might be a bit of, you know, kind of dismissal of that because it's only in Sweden, despite him doing well in the Europa League as well. So, yeah, I w- yeah, I was going to say Rowett. Uh, Wilder again would be about. That, that kind of manager, a championship manager who uh, had something to prove in the Premier League, maybe. Uh, on the on the managers, I don't. I was looking through like the transfer mark list of available managers. There were some that I definitely thought, oh god, no, like Ator Karanka at, at Middlesbrough, or, or is he still at Middlesbrough? No, he he, he left, didn't he? Um, and yeah, and there's a few managers on there you do worry about. Slaven Bilic, I think he's. Uh, you know, he. I think he would be a name who would come up in the conversation, but he, he's bad, isn't he? He's pretty bad. Yeah, he's. Um, most of his success was based off Dimitri Payet's right foot. So, you know, you could translate that to Shakiri until he moves away. So that'd be fun. Mm. But no, yeah. Um, Bilic again is very much similar mould to Hughes in the sense of there isn't really any tactics. There's just yeah, go on, okay. lads, give it to them. Yeah. So, who's who's your wildest dream manager then? Who who <sighs> might be a bit out of our price range, but we should still go for him anyway. Uh, this is for Zach. It was Roger Schmidt. Um, nice. I think I read a um, stats bomb. So, as a quick shout out for a stats company, they did a, an article talking about how Stoke are in a bit of a malaise. They did this, I think, last summer. Um, and they said that it would be really interesting to see what Stoke can do with a manager like um, 
Oh my god, I've just forgotten who I've suggested. Schmidt. Schmidt. <laughs> um, yeah, they're really interesting what someone could do with Schmidt, who is an attacking coach. He likes four four two, so he'd make your dad happy. Um, and I think it's almost. I think the the play of the 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 pull the play the the pull of the Premier League is often downplayed a lot by Stoke fans. Um, I think it is such a huge thing to be able to go there and be like everyone look at me every weekend we're on TV all the time um, and at a club like Stoke with a chairman like Coates who will support you he might not give you all the money in the world but if you tell him you need that player more than anything I'm fairly certain he's not going to say no um, so just attacking exciting let's push the boat out and see what happens failing that Bielsa because I don't know, I've got a bit of a death wish that would be hilarious mm. Uh, uh, I think I think we need to bring Stoke Loner back and for me it's not good enough just to have a, a former Barcelona player as manager we'll need to bring back Bojan we'll need to bring back Munieza, uh and try and see you know who else we can pluck from La Masia but I think Luis Enrique come on down lad He's uh, he, he left uh, Barcelona in May 2017 you know, a win rate of 76.2% there. I'll tell you that. That'll do us, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, twice La Liga winner as a manager, won the Champions League as a manager, won the FIFA World Club Cup. Imagine if Stoke won the FIFA World Club Cup. We'd, we'd be buzzing. You'd, you'd probably still be moaning, but, you know, most <laughs> of the time we, we'd, we'd be absolutely buzzing. He's currently available, and that I think this is the key thing. Uh, so, you know, money, Bojan, you know, you probably know him. Yeah. Ring him, up, ring him up, saying, Stoke is fantastic, Lewis. You'll love it. Happy days are here again. Yeah. He can maybe get in on the Christmas tree decorating. I watched those videos today oh. just to make me feel like crying. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. That would be great. Uh, so, yeah. So, it's either going to be Tony Pulis, Gary Rowett, Lewis Enrique, Roger Smith, Ronald Koeman. Yeah. Could, yeah. could be, it could, it could be could an be interest. Worse. Could be an interesting few days coming up. Um, right, question from David: If we invest in if we invest in wing backs in January, this is okay. Assuming Hughes stays, and we invest in wing backs, would you prefer three five two over four two three one? And if so, if so, who should we buy? I'll kind of park the who we should buy question uh, for a moment. But uh, if we if we had actual proper wing backs in the team would you be happy with 3-5-2 we don't we've never played 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 I'm just being really pernickety yeah but um, there'd be there'd have to be other things that happen I think two footballers who are out on loan would have to come back because last season when we were sort of tinkering with the 3-4-3 we didn't win a game without Gianelli and Bueller playing in it I've missed this pro and Bueller agenda (laughs) He needs to come back and go straight into the first team and um, have a golden oh, throne no. built for him in the change. No, um, and Mooney needs to come back because I don't think I've seen anyone. Tommy, play Tommy that. Mooney, he was rubbish. <laughs> yeah, he needs to come back because um, no one plays that left centre back role like him. Martin Zindi has to come back in in the the, the centre half of the centre half's role. Um, but also, I, I don't know, I think it's very much continuing with square pegs, round holes. And on the whole, 
we talk about formations a lot. We've talked about 4-4-2, 4 But we never seem to talk about how we actually bloody play. Mm. I mean, there is a bit more to tactics than going, right, you play there, you play there, go get them, lads. And you saw it against Swansea. We scored two goals when we attacked them in their half, pressed the ball down, won it back. Um, and I think that, and, and, aside, and when we stopped doing that, the fact we were still playing 4-4-2, we were still garbage. It doesn't really, it, it, it's this whole deep sitting and waiting for the opposition. It's bonkers and it doesn't work. Unless you're from the Sean Dyche, Tony Pulis, Sam Allardyce school. So I, I think that's a discussion that needs to be had at the boardroom level. We need to get a manager in with a clear style. Luis Enrique. Um, yeah. Now, I'm going to end the show on this really happy question from SCFC Josh. If we go down this season, how long do you think we will spend outside the top flight before we reach it again? Yeah. Um, would we do how Newcastle did when they went down two seasons ago? I doubt it. I don't think we'd throw money at it that much. Do we have a squad who have some good resale value in it, though, nonetheless? Yeah. But then it's if you don't get that first bounce, that's it, isn't it? And I think especially for Stoke, I think that would be it. That would be curtains for a long time um, if we didn't come straight back up. So I'd much rather not have to face that situation. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Peter Coates. <laughs> yeah, it, it's impossible to say really because some, sometimes clubs just kind of surprise you like that and just and bounce despite kind of uh, having serious upheaval or not enough upheaval. And yeah, the championship is an absolute crapshoot of a league and like kind of any... you. You, you can't really predict for most clubs if they'll finish, you know, top six or bottom six sometimes. Um, yeah, we, we really don't want to go down because uh, whilst there were, there, I think I spoke to a couple of fans yesterday who were kind of nostalgic for the championship and losing that arbitrariness of the Premier League because, like, everyone going to that Spurs game knew we were going to lose, including myself, but... And whilst I totally get the you know desire for like going to any away game knowing we could win, uh, it's a crap league. <laughs> I don't want to go down, Tom. <laughs> I don't want to go down. Dear God. Um, yeah. yeah, I should I should mention uh, thank you to just the Stoke fans in general uh, at Wembley because uh, among the Hughes out chants were some very funny uh, gallows humour moments. Five nil and you fucked it up being personal favourite um, I, there was some really kind of uh, like cocky Tottenham fan because uh, we were right by the barrier and he was like giving it the big one at five and all up and the just the the amount of uh, sorry the, the the Stoke fans could not give less of a shit if, if they tried <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I did enjoy that yeah our, our Raya was very much directed towards the pitch but yeah I enjoyed myself in a weird, uh, bizarre way. It's uh, it's good training, isn't it? Because you it, it really teaches you to detach yourself from the football. Mm. I was at Spurs last year when we got dicked four 0 and I think that was was mostly singing who came third in a two horse race to them, and it's yeah. just it's just something that Stoke fans are genuinely brilliant at. And you see some fans just lose their crap 
whenever yeah. they're in a losing position. But we really, we're good, especially away. Oh, well, that's a, a positive note to kind of draw to a close. Uh, just to throw in as well there, we drew Coventry in the Cup during the week. Uh, are we going to bottle it in the Cups again? Depends who's in charge. Ooh. Well, there we go then. Uh, so, as soon as I hit save on this, we we very, mal- very well may have some news. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Hughes out. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Go on, Stoke.